Hey everybody, today I've got a, uh, a pretty cool episode for you. Um, people that I talk to, a lot of them do not want to be landlords. When I start talking real estate, people roll their eyes because they do not want to deal with, well, the, the cliche is I don't want to go unclog someone's toilet at midnight. I don't want to be a landlord. And I definitely have had some painful episodes as a landlord myself. I remember I was in Detroit uh, or on the way home from Detroit. I was at the airport and I had been in Detroit trying to evict my tenant and got a call from another tenant, my guy down in uh, Arizona, who couldn't figure out how to use the thermostat in his home and was asking me for tech support on his thermostat. And that thermostat had two buttons on it, up and down. So um, being a, a landlord can be a pain. And so what do people do when they want exposure to the real estate asset but don't want to actually own homes and uh, be landlords? Well, one way is through syndications. And I first learned about syndications in uh, 2017, I think, by listening to the Bigger Pockets podcast. And uh, as I've mentioned on previous episodes, if you want to learn about real estate, one of the best resources that are out there uh, is the Bigger Pockets podcast. They interview real estate people um, from all over the world and uh, who are having great success. And it can be not only very educational, but very inspiring. Um, in the process of listening to these podcasts, I heard a guest named Whitney Sewell. And he's uh, the, I'm going to be sharing an interview with him on, in this episode. And Whitney Sewell has a company called LifeBridge Capital that does real estate syndications. Um, so when I heard Whitney on this Bigger Pockets podcast, I reached out to him. And you got to be proactive if you want to be able to find deals and find partners. So I just I reached out to him and I said, hey, man, I'd like to get to know you um, so that if in the future you're having a deal that I might be able to get into, uh, we could maybe work together. So I reached out to him, emailed him, and we had a call. And then maybe six months later, he this investment opportunity came up uh, for an apartment complex in Colorado Springs that uh, is called uh, Lincoln Springs Apartments. And he had a, a Zoom call and went through all of the pro forma information. And it was brilliant. And so I signed up, I sent him money. And ever since then, and that was in the uh, middle of 2018, uh, ever since then, I've been getting quarterly 8% dividend returns. And now that's not to say that this is an 8% return on my investment, because once the exit plan goes through, which I don't know when they're going to end up selling, but when they do end up selling, I'll get all or more of my money back in addition to that 8% uh, dividend. So it's going to be based on the pro formas, it should be at least 15%, but it'll probably be well more than that. Anyway, Whitney, he uh, he's a great guy. And um, we cover some ground on this interview, uh, including the whole 506B versus 506 C SEC investment classifications, and also some of his uh, personal work with his uh, nonprofit uh, foundation. So before uh, we cut to the interview, I just want to give you his official bio. Whitney Sewell is a seasoned real estate investor, podcast host, and philanthropist. He is CEO and founder of LifeBridge Capital, a multifamily syndication investment firm 
with 1,277 units and 280 in development and $345 million in assets under management. Whitney was able to scale his business at a groundbreaking pace, starting from nothing in 2017 to now consistently raising over $10 million in a few hours. His daily podcast, uh, The Real Estate Syndication Show, has featured over 1,200 experts in the field. Whitney recently founded his new nonprofit, the LifeBridge Foundation, the latest exciting development in his commitment to donate 50% of his profits to support orphans and their adoptive families. Whitney and his wife, Chelsea, have three children by adoption and love spending their free time together in the great outdoors at their home in the country. And I'd also like to note that we recorded this interview in uh, May of 2022. I don't know why this interview fell through the cracks, but I wanted to get this out. And I also want to have him uh, on here within the next couple of months to do a little follow-up on the state of the syndication world now that uh, interest rates have gone out of control. But in the meantime, here is my interview with Whitney Sewell. Hey, Whitney, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Honored to be here, Matt. Thank you. Well, let's get let's get started. Let's get right into it. Tell me about LifeBridge Capital and uh, what you guys do. Yeah. So at LifeBridge, ultimately we work with thousands of investors all over the place uh, who want passive income. Right? They know the benefits of building wealth through real estate, but they do not want to be manage uh, managing their own units, their own tenants, taking those tenant calls, going fixing toilets, all those things. Right? That we know has to be done and done well, right? But they want to be passive. And so they invest with a group like us or with LifeBridge Capital who we make sure those things happen, right? So we find the opportunity and we're very focused on multifamily uh, projects. And and in our case, mostly like a C plus B minus type asset where there's been problems we can fix, right? Uh, And that it helps us to increase the value uh, for our team and our investors very quickly. Uh, right. But we find those assets. Ultimately, we, we raise that money from investors who want that passive income, like I was talking about. They also get the tax benefits. Uh, but then we manage the deal. Right. They get monthly distributions. Uh, and, and then, you know, we exit that project. Let's say we sell it, uh, let's say, three to five years later, um, you know, hopefully for a, for a, a really good profit. Right. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Like we're managing that deal. We're bringing all these people together. It's called syndication or syndicating. Right. right? Bringing all these people together so we can purchase a, a property that's let's say it's 10, 20, 30 to 50 million dollars. You know, that typically one person wouldn't buy on their own. Right. right? And, and even if they even if they had 10, 20 million dollars to put down, you know, that they wanted to invest, they wouldn't want to put it all in one project anyway, right? They want to diversify across lots of deals. And so this this allows us all to do that, but allows us to get a, a bigger bang for our buck, really, right? When we can sure. manage, say, 200 units on one property, we can be so much more efficient than buying 200 units that are scattered all over the city, right? And driving all over the place, you right. know, trying to manage all of those. Uh, and, and so that's ultimately what we're doing though. We're, we're finding multifamily properties that we know, you know, we can create a great business plan and a great investment for us and our investors. We purchase those and by syndicating, raising millions of dollars from investors we've built relationships with over, you know, many years now. Uh, and, and then we operate our business plan. You know, it's it's not rocket science, but it's not easy. But but it is uh, you know almost that simple, right? We're bringing all them together. We're operating the deal. We've built uh, a team now. Uh, you know, that's only growing uh, very quickly, actually, as we speak. Uh, and so nice. so we can just c- continue to perform better and better for our investors and even for our tenants as well. 
Awesome. Okay, so full disclosure, I'm invested in uh, one of your Colorado Springs uh, properties, uh, the the Lincoln Springs Apartments, which is so awesome, and it's provided uh, these quarterly dividend payments that come in like clockwork, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. I'm also uh, invested in single-family homes, which have been, some have been great, and others have been complete nightmares, and I'm in the process of selling a few um so the the i the the passive nature of these syndications is is brilliant and so appreciated so tell me about where 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 are you guys finding these what kind of uh, regions are you looking at right now so we are in colorado springs in boise idaho we're we're actually in in vale as well we call it vale valley we have vale valley portfolio we call it but but you know it's it's west of denver okay uh you know a little ways we have a portfolio there but mostly colorado springs we have about a thousand units there Uh, and then we have a a class a project of 172 units in boise uh, and then we we're under development with two more projects in boise as well uh, and so we'll have about 325 to 350 million, you know, in assets under management, um, you know, within the next just few months. Uh, but Boise, Idaho, and Colorado Springs have been our main markets for a few years now. Uh, and actually, that deal that you're talking about uh, at Lincoln Springs—that's yep. the only one we've ever done quarterly distributions on. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> everything else has been monthly since then. Oh, wow. Uh, but uh, but anyway, we loved, you know, now that we switched to monthly, man, we, we love doing that because our investors love, you know, that monthly check. But but anyway, those <laughs> are the markets that we're focused in. We are broadening that, uh, but really as we increase our team. Uh, and so we're in process now of hiring uh, an acquisitions guy that would be kind of a lead acquisitions director or, uh, or in that position where he has expertise in other markets that we want to get into as well. So so it's, it's bringing that expertise on the team. You know, I, I can't go become an expert in every market right. uh, you know that we want to pursue but as our team scales uh, you know we are finding that expertise but in many different ways cool so Boise uh, in last year in 2021 uh, among all the lists of the biggest rent increases in the nation Boise was definitely always in the top 10 um, crazy influx of people coming into Boise tell, tell me about that market it is crazy. <laughs> it, that, I mean, I, I don't even know what else to say about it almost. I mean, the influx of people like you're talking about is so true. I think uh, like last year, there were a few months where they claimed there were like 10 to 12 vacancies in the entire market. Wow. I, I mean, it's just madness, you know, the amount of people that are moving there. Uh, and so that's why, too, we're not typically developers, but we did partner with a couple of developers who have been in that market for 15 to 20 years, right? We're, right? we're finding that skill set. I didn't become a, an expert in developing, right. right? But I found people that are, and then they, they need our skill sets, right? And so we can go do some amazing deals there. But because of that market, it's like, okay, I'm willing to do some developing here, you know, uh, because of the growth that's happening there. And it's going to be some of our best deals by far, uh, you know, but because of the influx of people there. And I think, you know, people coming from, I mean, since everybody's been pushed to work virtually, that that really there's companies all over and we've all heard about this, but that never, you know, claim they would never be virtual, right? right. They would never allow teleworking, all those things. Well, then all of a sudden they're made to for a year and a half, two years. Uh, and then it's like, well, guess what? You know, we can function like this now. So many of them, you know, let their employees know that, hey, we're going to continue operating this way. And then it's like, well, you know, let's say they were working downtown San Diego, Los Angeles, whatever, some of those big metros, they have 
you know, two hour commute every day right. or, or more. Well, why? Why still do have to do that, right? And so now it's like, well, we can go live in these other communities, have really a, a better quality of life. They can have more outdoors type of life, not have the commute, still have the income for the most part, you know, I mean, most of them, uh, right. and work virtually, work from home, right? And so that's what hap- has happened even in Colorado Springs, but especially in Boise. I mean, just the growth in both those markets because of that have only helped our, our properties in a big way. That's awesome. And you're you're on the East Coast. Personally, you live in, what, Virginia somewhere? I do. I live in, in Roanoke, so I'm uh, Western Virginia. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, that's a, a long way away. How, I, I mean, what what led you to to this far west how did you how, how did what was kind of the genesis of this uh this strategy yes yeah, so when uh, ultimately it was meeting my business partner uh sam rust okay. uh, amazing guy and just very gifted with numbers underwriting structuring deals i mean the lord has just really blessed him in in that ability more so than the lord blessed me with that <laughs> uh, and so and i'm so thankful like you know when our skill sets you know were able to come together it allowed us to move very quickly but ultimately, he lives in Denver. Okay. He's from Boise. Gotcha. So we had connections there. He, he had been building broker relations while mm-hmm. I had been building an investor relation, you know, investor relations system, right? And all these connections. So I could raise money. Well, he had deal flow. And so when we met mm-hmm. and determined, hey, I feel like this is going to be a great you know, partnership. And we did, there's a whole story behind all of that and how we determined that. Because I'd been asked by many people to partner and had said no. Okay. Uh, but... When we were able to partner, you know, he had many connections uh, already as far as deals. Uh, and so it allowed us to move pretty quickly in those markets. And they were just great markets, right? I mean, Colorado Springs and Boise both have had just a, a, a very steady long-term track record of growth. You know, I mean, obviously the last couple of years it's exploded, right. but, but, but still for a long period of time. So we knew those were, those were great markets to focus on. Awesome. And, and it, it wasn't where all of our competition was. Oh, okay. Right. So most people that are, you know, a lot of our investors are investing with other operators too. I mean, that, you know, I invest with numerous operators personally as well, right. or friends of mine. Um, but many of them have invested in the Southeast or Texas many times. Right. And so all of a sudden it's like, Hey, well, you know, I like the thought of diversifying across the West as well, you know, in these great markets. So that, that was beneficial. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with a, a, a guy. I don't, I don't know if you know, Todd Dexheimer. Uh, oh yeah. I know Todd. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm in a couple of his deals too. And uh, I mean, he's kind of all over the map. Uh, One's in Lexington and one's in Memphis. And um, but I, I, I just it seems like your timing was perfect on Boise because that was like a sleeper that kind of has really exploded here in the last few years. So congratulations on that. I wish I would have gotten in on that particular deal. Um, So for our listeners who have never been in a syndication, who have never gotten into it, can you just uh, give me a quick overview of what it looks like and kind of what the process is to to get in one of your syndications and then kind of how the returns work out and how the distributions and then 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 the exit plan works. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I think in a moment we're going to we're, we're going to talk about 506B versus yeah, C. Yep. But but ultimately, you, you know, we need uh uh, we need to build a relationship, right? You know, I, I, we have to be connected in some way and, yep. and we can talk about legally what that looks like. Um, but to get into a deal, ultimately I need to get to know you, 
right? I, I, you need to get to know us and we need to build a relationship. You're going to get to have a call with me or, or somebody on the team, right? Uh, and so you find us, we have a call. I want to know about, you know, have you invested in anything before? Have you invested in real estate before? Have you ever invested in a syndication? Well, if no, I just still want to determine through that call, hey, do you understand the risk, right? I, I'm trying to determine, you know, the, the last thing I want to do is, is take your, you know, the, the money you're putting for your, your children to eat, you know, uh, into this deal, right? There's still risk. No matter what, any sure. kind of investment, there's risk, right? So I just want to ensure over that call that you understand the risk, right? Which I, I believe this is like so much less risk than almost any other kind of investing. But, totally. but still, there's still risk. And so I just try to be very clear about that, you know, with anybody on the call. I'm investing in every deal very heavily. Uh, and so obviously, I believe in it in a very big way. But I just need you to know that there's risk, uh, of course, right? Yep. But but I just want to get to know you, right? What do you like to do for fun? You know, do you have kids? What do you, you know, we're just going to get to know each other a little bit. And then over a course of, of, of a few weeks or months, you're going to receive lots of emails from us and our team and, and get to know us. Uh, and then you're going to have time to see how previous deals have performed. We're going to send you anything you want around those. Uh, you're going to get to ask questions just so you're better prepared when we do have an opportunity for you to invest in. Then ultimately, the deal goes out through email. We usually get a text message as well. Um, and then you sign up. You know, And so you sign up and then you have, uh, there'll be a period of time where you, know, you can ask any questions you want and we're going to do our best to get you every answer possible, right? But then it's first come, first funded. They usually fill up, thank the Lord, within just a few hours. Wow. Um, but... You know, they fill up, you know, and then those investors go through a process of completing documents and and, uh, and funding, right? And so, but so let's say, you know, we're going to close, uh, you know, on the end of, you know, let's say it's 60 days out. We may launch a deal. You know, we may have, uh, you know, three to four weeks of funding for investors. You know, we launch it. We put it out to investors. Uh, that timeline is going to be in that email as well. So, you do, you know, you, if you have any interest, you need to sign up. You're going to be on a list. Uh, and, and then you're going to have a, a time to ask questions. And you're going to receive uh, an invitation to our portal. So everything's secure. Uh, you know, you get to log in. You, you get to watch your investment grow. I, I think it's really cool, actually. Totally cool. Seeing that in there, you know? Uh -huh. uh, and so I can see all my investments and I can see what's happening. I, I love that. Uh, and I know our investors love that too, right? They can go to this place, they receive their K-1s there for your taxes and, and all, any of those doc documents are going to live there. But at that point, you know, once we close, you're gonna receive communication through us, or from us through the whole process of funding, we receive your funds and, and then closing. And then uh, typically we, you're, we send out distributions monthly now. Okay. And, and within, it, within the first 30 days, you're gonna receive that first check. And then it's every, every day or every month thereafter. And so what happens is most deals, we have what's called a preferred return. And that preferred return, you might hear it called PREF, a PREF, you uh -huh. know, people will say. But it's the first portion of any cash flow. And so know that you know, you're going to be paid from cash flow. Uh, and if cash flow is not there, then there's no preferred return, right? We've not had that happen personally, but you just need to know that as you're talking to operators. They say, well, there's a PREF. Well, that's the first portion of any cash flow. So if the deal's not working, you're not getting that distribution, right? But what, what that does mean, though, is that you're getting the first portion, right? Like I said, so you're paid before the operator's paid, right. essentially. So, so you know, there's an 8%, let's say there's a 7 8% preferred return. Well, that's annualized, right? And then split up over monthly distributions. Sent, ACH is sent straight to your bank account, right? Yep. I love that as well. Me too. Uh, <laughs> but then you, you get that 8%. 
But what happens is above that 8%, there'll typically be what we call a split or waterfall, right? Uh, but it'd be everything above that may be split 70-30, 70% going to the passive investors or what we also call limited partners. And then the 30% will, will go to the general partnership. And there'll, there'll be a few people typically on that general partnership team who are the uh, the operators, the, the people who came together to you know make the deal function and yep. put all the pieces together to make it happen in one form or another. Uh, and, and so that's usually how it's split. There'll be 70-30 split. And then there may be a, another waterfall that's around a certain amount of, of return. And, and so it could be around what we call an IRR, internal rate of return uh, hurdle, where once you receive a 17% or 15% IRR, all of a sudden that split, instead of 70-30, it may go 50-50 right? Or uh, we just did a fund and, and we did an equity multiple hurdle. So, so in, uh, in, in what I mean by equity multiple, we'll say uh, like a, a 2x return, meaning we're going to, our goal is to double your money in five years, okay. you know, or something typically. Well, for this fund, we said we're going to 3x your money, but it's a seven to 10 year fund. Okay. Uh, and so there's a 3x equity multiple hurdle. So when we reach the 3x, then it goes to 50-50. Okay. okay. Uh, and so, so you, you can see, I mean, there's, it's unlimited the amount of ways that you can structure a deal, right? Uh, you just have to ensure as an operator that, that we're competitive, right? Uh, you know, with other people, we want to provide the best returns we possibly can. We want to be as conservative as possible too, sure. right? We don't want to say we're providing a 50% return, even though the last 10 deals may have done that we're still not going to say that because we want to be as conservative as possible. Right. right? Um, but that's the typical structure you'll see. So you'll receive that preferred return on a monthly basis. Uh, and then also there's deals that depending on the business model, there may be a refinance, you know, we may be, let's say we're going to operate this deal for, uh, for, 18 to 24 months. Uh, and by that time, uh, we, we're going to have the units remodeled. We're going to get rents, you know, up to market rent. We're going to be able to raise rents. We're going to be able to just operating better. Oftentimes there's things that we can charge for amenities we can add that haven't been done yet, which increase our income in a big way. Right. right? And that's how the property's valued. Uh, and so once that happens, you know, we, we'll go refinance the property uh, and, and potentially if, if that's the business plan. Right. Sure. But then that allows us to pull out a lot of money and say, okay, Mr. Investor, you know, you invested a hundred thousand. Well, congratulations. You know, here's, here's 60,000 of that back. And, and one thing I love about that, and this is something you want to ask about this, cause this is not, this has not happened with every deal or every operator, but when that happens, you're still invested at the hundred thousand. And so I said, okay, Mr. Investor, here's your six, here's 60,000 of that back or maybe more, but guess what? You're still receiving that preferred return on the hundred thousand. Right, and then you can take that sixty thousand. Guess what? Tax free because it's it's a return of capital. Okay, it's not a distribution at that point. It's a return of capital. Right. Well, you can go put it in another deal, right? Somewhere else or whatever, and then it's it's earning again, and you didn't have to pay taxes on that, right? Uh, and it. so that's why I love this this business <laughs> model. I can just blew my mind when I started thinking about this. I'm like, really, you can do that, you know? Uh, but that's just something I love about the syndication business. Like, okay. You know, or, or like we have a couple of deals right now that are that are producing a ton of cash flow and just because of what's happened in the market. And they, a couple of them, I mean, they've been 100 percent occupied from day one. Right. Wow. Uh, and so it's just cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. So what happens is soon as you know, we're obviously first thing is like are, are making sure our emergency fund is full or emergency budgets, all that, which they have been. But still, that would be the first thing we would top off if it hasn't been. Yeah. But then after that, you know, we obviously we want we have to have a certain amount of operating uh, capital, all those things. 
But, you know, after we get so many hundred thousand in the bank, it's like, okay, we're going to send this back out to investors. You know, so it's like, well, they get, a, you know, a ten or $20,000 check, you know, uh, from the cash flow even, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I just love that model, the oh, business, yeah. business model, because of those options we have that benefit us around taxes and just passive income. Love it. Yeah, I, it's, it's a beautiful model. And again, once, once I sign the check to you or do the direct deposit to you, I don't have to think about it anymore. All I have to do is receive the money and receive the updates. And, right. and, and it's just, it, it's, it's the true definition of passive. And uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I mean, some people say, oh, it's not passive because you do have to do some work. And I would say, as a passive investor, you do need to do a little work around due diligence of the operator, you know, first, and then the deal, you know, making sure the deal is something that fits your risk tolerance and those things like we talked about briefly. Right. But you're right. I mean, after that point, it's like, you don't have to do anything, but get our updates, you know, and then you're obviously you can reach out at any time with questions. You can even go see the property, you know, anything like that. Well, yeah, actually, I was uh, uh, thinking about going to Colorado this summer. And I was thinking, hey, I wonder if I could stop by Lincoln Springs and take a little walking tour for uh, sure that's awesome okay well now one thing you we briefly hit on that i would like to explain to our listeners is the whole uh sec rule 506 i did an episode about the whole uh accredited investor thing and wherever you stand on it i think it's absolutely ridiculous that we that we have a standard where people who already have a certain threshold of money are allowed to invest in certain deals and certain people who don't ha have that much are not considered smart enough to assess risk and invest in certain deals. So, but all that aside, to, real quick, tell me the difference between a 506B and a 506C deal uh, from where you sit. Yes. So 506B means that every investor that comes into that deal, and, and remember that's it's legal terminology, but but it allows us to know the type of offering. Uh, and and I, again, I'm not an attorney, yep. but uh, you know, 506B means that every investor that comes into that deal, I need a pre-existing relationship with, right? It means I've talked to them, we've emailed, we've you know talked about risk, all those things, right? And I've documented that conversation, so I'd have that pre-existing relationship. It, it also means that I can allow up to 35 sophisticated or non-accredited, like you were talking about, investors yep. into the deal, right? And so, uh, and, and I like that, right? I, I, I love having a way for investors, that sophisticated investors, uh, non-accredited to be able to get into the deal. So every single asset deal that we've done have been a 506B deal. Uh, and so it's allowed, you know, up to 35 uh, sophisticated investors in each of those projects. Well, then, there's a there's another type of offering called called a five. Well, I would say also the five hundred six B. You cannot advertise. You cannot promote right. it. I cannot, you know, I cannot blast it anywhere uh, because then I'm soliciting, right? I, you know, I'm promoting this deal, I, and I don't have a relationship with these people that are seeing it, right? right. I don't know if, if they understand the risk tolerance, you know, or if I understand the risk tolerance, all those things uh, that I need to know. But if I have a five hundred six C deal, then it's only accredited, right? right? And I personally, uh, we as a company have to verify their accreditation status. Uh, and there's a, a quick process of doing that, but still, I still have to, I'm responsible for verifying their accreditation status. Uh, they have to be accredited to get into the deal, but I then can blast it from the rooftops. I could have it on a billboard and I could advertise it and all those things. Uh, and so, uh, you know, typically, does that help over time? It can, uh, but 
you still need the relationship with an investor, sure. right? They still need to know you. They still, you know, before they're going to hand you a big check. And we know that, right? And, and so, now uh, I tell you this last fund that we did, we did a 506C fund. And then we purposely like said, okay, this is the date we're going to close the fund off, right? You know, this is uh, legally, we needed that date. This is when it's done. Uh, and then we waited a week to two weeks. I can't remember exactly. Then we launched a 506B fund or entity and then we, just for our sophisticated investors, like we didn't want to just completely block them out, you know, wow. from our fund. Okay. And so what we did was, was we started this fund, this other entity, and we raised it to 5 million. Uh, and so once you, once an entity has 5 million in it, it becomes accredited. Uh, and so then, and then guess what? <laughs> well, then, then all those investors were able to get into our fund, but we had to raise it to 5 million. Uh, and so wow. what we were... What we were going to do, though, is if 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 it was short of five million, then my business partner and I were going to put in the rest in that, and so that way we could get it five million because we were going to invest in it anyway, you know. But still, um, so that's how we kind of a backdoor approach to allowing our sophisticated or non-accredited into our five hundred six C fund, you know, as well. Uh, and it, it's it's a kind of a complicated process, but that's high level how it would work. You just need to know as an investor. You know, you see this deal come across. If it says 506C, but you've never talked to this person before, I would just question it a little bit, right? Like, yeah. how did they get my email address or why am I getting this? I mean, if it says 506, yeah, 506 506B. Uh, B, B, I mean, B, yeah, yeah. sorry. Uh, 506B, right? And so you, you need that relationship with that operator. They need it with you, right, for you to legally invest in that deal. Uh, one, an, one other way around that is referrals. Referrals can be allowed in a deal, okay. um, you know, on a 506B. Uh, we just, we document those things as hard as we possibly can, just in case we're ever audited. We can say, oh no, you know, I've known Matt for this long. You know, I met him on this date and it was three months later before he invested with us. We'd had these many, this many conversations. This is what we talked about when we did talk, right? Or maybe Matt made a referral uh, to John over here and and that's how I met John, right? And right. so we just document all those things. But you just need to know 506B versus 506C. 506B, sophisticated investors can invest up to, th you know, 35 of them have to have a pre-existing relationship. 506C, you can advertise, but it's accredited only and the operator must verify it. Perfect. Yeah, that's that's how we got. As I was not a uh, an accredited investor, I heard you on a Bigger Pockets podcast like four years ago. I called you up and I said, "Hey, man, uh, let's become friends. Let's 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 get this started. Tell me about your deal." Then we did exactly as you said. We kind of uh, did some correspondence via email. Then I I think it was like six months later or so. I heard about the Lincoln Springs thing and was able to throw some throw some dough into that and uh, it worked out great by the books and um, and that's why I tell people who listen to me it's like when when people say oh I don't know where to find deals or I don't I you know how do you find people like that you know uh, listening to things like the bigger pockets podcast or your podcast which we'll talk about in a second the real estate syndication podcast um, and then forming those relationships kind of preemptively so that you you know down the line that you're gonna be um, eligible is uh, you, you got to kind of get out there and make that stuff happen. No doubt about it. Yeah. You got to go build those relationships. Absolutely. So um, actually, before we talk about the podcast, uh, LifeBridge Capital has a mission. And one of the things that uh, attracted me to your whole deal was the fact that it's not just about getting people into apartment syndications. You have a greater overall mission. And can you share that with us? 
Of course. I appreciate that, Matt, a lot. And, and uh, uh, you know, my wife and I moved to Roanoke in uh, Roanoke, Virginia. I was military, law enforcement, Kentucky State Police, then went federal. And the federal position took us to Virginia. And when we moved here, my wife and I had been married about a year and a half, never talked about adoption before. I mean, never even thought about it. Grew up in a one-stoplight town. I don't even know of anybody that had been adopted, you right. know. Uh, and so, but... After we were in Virginia, like one week, we went to this get together. There was a pastor talking about how they had adopted and, and just the need, right? 150 million orphans in the world. Uh, unfortunately, it can cost 40 to 60 grand to bring a child home through adoption. Uh, and so, but after, you know, he was talking about the, how they had adopted. And on our way home, all we could do is ask each other, well, why would we not adopt? Like, it just seemed like the right thing to do. And thankfully, I'm thankful that we were really ignorant. To the process oh. uh, because <laughs> okay. we may not have done it you know if we had known the roller coaster ride you know to make it happen however we did a week a week later we turned in our application to adopt from ethiopia two years later our first son samuel came home from ethiopia a year later our second son elijah came home uh, through adoption and now we also have a daughter eden joy uh, who's almost three who came to our family oh, wow. through adoption as well uh, and so, you know, through those processes, man, especially the first couple were very difficult financially. I mean, just to make that happen. Uh, we did tons of fundraising. I mean, just <laughs> lots of, you know, our friends got tired of hearing us trying to fundraise, right? right. Or asking for their help to fundraise. Uh, but what we found out is, is, you know what, there's a lot of people that would love to adopt, but they hear that, that the cost and it's like, well, how in the world can I even think about doing something? It's more than I make in a year. How can I, you know, right. where are we even going to begin to have that kind of money to make that happen? And so the Lord just put it on my wife and I to on our heart to want to help these people. And so we committed half of our personal profits to our own foundation. That That's all that we do is is help families with a financial burden of adoption. Wow. Uh, and so we have, but you know what? So, so much has happened from that that we just never even expected, right? I mean, our, our investors love knowing that they're playing a role in this mission, even though it doesn't affect their returns at all. They right, are. Right. They're helping us to do that, right? Um, and, and then we have a lot of investors now that, that donate directly to the foundation. So it's neat to see that partnership. Um, also, my uh, many of our team members came to work for us because they love our mission and oh, we're wow. about something bigger than just making money. Right. But all even bigger than some of those is my family, right? Obviously getting the, this business started was not easy. Uh, you know, the first few years was very intense and, and you know, my wife couldn't care less about real estate. Obviously she supports me 110%. Sure. But man, that mission, she's completely behind, right? I mean, she loves uh, that we're helping other people now adopt and, and, and bring these children home. Uh, and so even when, when we were struggling, you know, like the first few years to really keep this going, um, you know, I mean, she could get behind that, right? She could get behind that mission 100%. And so could my, my children as well. When dad's gone week after week, you right. know, we're working, working, working. Uh, and so that mission has turned into a lot bigger things. And, and, and we're actually just hired our first full-time employee for the foundation. So we're pretty excited about oh, wow. that. Congratulations. Uh, as well. That's awesome. Well, um, yeah, I, I, I salute you. And I mean, I can't even imagine if you're a young couple uh, maybe you can or can't have children, but you do decide that it is you're going to be your goal to adopt a child. But then realizing that you're going to have to come up with fifty to a hundred grand in order to to pull this off, it right. it's got to stop a lot of people right in their tracks, just saying that you can't do it. And so, um, so that's uh, that's awesome that you have that mission. Appreciate that. So, 
the podcast. You do a podcast that's daily, which when I, on top of everything, I know I'm, I come out with an episode maybe once a week and it's about all I can do. Um, so the fact that you've got a daily podcast is absolutely crazy. So tell me about your real estate syndication podcast. You know, when we, when I first started thinking about doing a podcast, I don't know that I'd ever even listened to one before, honestly. <laughs> like I, I, you know, I was just like, I, I don't know what this podcast thing is about, you know, but, but I saw how it worked for other people. And, and so immediately I was like, okay, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here. I can figure this out. Right. Uh, I'll go make this happen. Yep. Uh, and so we did, you know, I had no idea on like, what I was getting into when I started thinking about a daily show. Um, and so, you know, I saw, you know, a mentor of mine who does a daily show and it was like, okay, like I see how it works. You know, it's like how many people get, you know, do you want to connect with, uh, and, you know, seven days a week or one day a week? Well, obviously my network grew very fast, yeah. right? Uh, before launching the podcast, there's two people in our industry who most of us would know and are very respected. And, and they pulled me aside and they were like at a conference and they were like, Whitney, don't do that. It's crazy. Why would you do that? You know? Yeah. And so considering I've been called crazy before, you know, but, but, uh, you know, considering who these people were, I, I thought, well, maybe I should reconsider this, you know, maybe, I, man, you know, uh, it, but, but cause also everybody I talked to probably like you did before you started podcast, you call people, right. Or, you, you know, sure. it's done a podcast before and you're like, what do I need to know? You know? Yep. And all of them talk about how much work it is. You know, I can't get this done. I can't find guests. I can't get show notes done. All these things. But they were all doing weekly shows, too. And so I thought, man, you know, maybe I should reconsider. And <laughs> so I was talking to my mentor about it. And right away, he was like, no, that's why you have to do it. <laughs> you know? Right. So I was like, okay, I'm back on track. I'm going to do this. Uh, I had no idea what it, what the commitment level it was going to take. Not just for me, but for my family as well. Sure. Uh, and so I would record 12 to 15 interviews in one day. <sighs> two days a week. I mean, two days a month. I mean, and then numerous afternoons a week, I would record more, more shows. So I was working as a federal agent and we would work, um, you know, I, I was off every other Monday. And so I built a team of virtual assistants from all over the world because I, I couldn't, I didn't have time to produce a show. There's no right. way. Right. And I knew that, that, that was a plus actually that I can look back and see now, if I'd done a weekly show, I would have said, you know what? I can edit the audio. I can learn to do the video. I, I'll figure it out. I can do that. And, and I probably would have gotten burned out faster and, and quit, you know, or it would have been halfway done, but doing a daily show, I knew that I had to build a team. Right. And so we did built a team that had these expertise. Right. And so we start, you know, we launched a show. We started with about, I think I recorded three interviews my first day, five the next day and eight the next day, back to back to back three days in a row. And so that just pushed me into it really quickly. Right. Like I just kind of lit my own feet on fire, you know, uh, and had to do nothing but run. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, every other Monday like that, my team knew that they had to have 12 to 15 interviews scheduled. And my wife would call it my marathon day. Uh, and like, I literally, she would pack me lunch to go to the basement. You know, that's uh, this bull. We, I was training horses before this and it seems so what? left field, you know, I was a professional horse trainer, but, uh, uh, dabbling in real estate a little bit, but we sold the farm, sold everything related to that business wow. uh, to, 
to just be completely committed to the commercial real estate business, right? And so, uh, and I knew we needed to do that, uh, but the podcast came quickly after that, and I could not have done that while still doing the horse training and, uh, you know, all that stuff. That was a passion of mine since I was a little boy. I was selling horses for more money than I ever imagined, but it was still never going to be passive. It was never, I was making good money doing it, but it was like a second full-time job, okay. and we had to make a big change, right? So we sold the farm to, to do it, you know? Wow. Um, and, and I'm so thankful now that we did, but the podcast, podcast was a big push in just marketing and branding ourselves, and, and even something that people don't talk about very often. Uh, obviously, the networking component is huge, sure. right? but also education, right? I mean, if, if we had a deal, something going on with a deal and we, you know, we were trying to figure it out and I'm fixing to interview 12 to 15 people that are in our business. Well, guess what's probably going to come up a few <laughs> times that day, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, Somebody that I'm going to be interviewing has probably been there before, right? Yeah. And so I'm going to bring it up, right? And so it became my own university where I could ask all the experts any questions, you know, that I had. Uh, but even if it didn't come up, I could probably say, hey, you know what? I just talked to Matt and I bet you that he has had to deal with that before. Well, it kind of leaves an open door then for me to email you back and say, hey, Matt, I appreciate you being on the show. But you know what? We're having this thing happen over here. And I just wondered if you had dealt with this before. Right. right? So it opens all these doors then for all these people that would have probably not given you the time to talk to beforehand. Brilliant. Right? Um, so like the first year of the podcast, nobody knew who I was, right? Uh, you know, during the second year, I go to a conference, everybody knew who I was. And by the third year, I'm speaking at the conferences, mm. right? And so, uh, awesome. you know, it's that transition that I saw happen. The Lord just really blessed that. And, and it's, been a, it's been an amazing ride. We are, we are fixing to change up the dynamic of the podcast a little bit. It's still going to be daily, but, but uh, it's so hard to maintain like uh, amazing guests. Oh, yeah. A month. Right. Uh, and so we want to improve that in a big way. Uh, and so it's changing a little bit, hopefully soon. And, and but hopefully only improving it. I hope it doesn't make a bunch of people mad. <laughs> right. Well, you know, that was what I was going to ask is, is how how do you find so many guests? So you, did you just hire a couple of VAs and, and give them a profile or what what did that look like? Yeah. So early on, we would send 300 or more emails a month, like to get 30, to get 30 guests a month, we would have to send over 30, over 300 invitations. Wow. <laughs> and that doesn't, that's not now. I mean, a lot of people want to be on the show now, so it's much easier than it used to be, but you can imagine how much time that takes, right? And corresponding with those people. So it was, I had a, I had a guy in another country that, I mean, that's all he did. And I did exactly what you said. I built a profile or told him other places like to find guests, you know, and he he built a list of people uh, and then I, or usually somebody else though, would, would send them a template or he would, you know, send them a template to inviting them to be on the show. Right. But I, doing a daily show pushed me to automate as much as possible and as fast as possible. I had to, right? Yeah. I could, I couldn't spend time going back and forth with guests, you know, about their bio or their headshot or whatever, our intro. Like I just did not have to, you know, time sure. to do that. We could, I couldn't do a, a pre-interview call with every, you know, it was not possible. Like right. some guys like to do that and it probably helps them to have a better interview, but I could not do that. Right. And so I had to get really good at, at asking good questions, how, carrying a conversation, yep. but also like the five minutes before we get started, I had to learn how to maximize that time. Oh. And so I can learn enough about this guest in just a few minutes that we're going to have a good interview. Right. Okay. And I can't, I still can't always do it, but I did learn that the hard way. Uh, and, and that's so crucial. Just a few questions that I can ask somebody to learn a little bit more about them before we actually start recording. 
right? And so there's things like that that it just wouldn't have happened if I wasn't doing a daily show. It wouldn't have pushed me to improve in ways that I I just wouldn't have improved otherwise, right? Gotcha. Uh, you know, it just helped me set bars much higher in so many aspects of our business that wouldn't have happened. Even just the processes that it takes to run a daily show, you know, and build that team, it just allowed us to do things I never expected. Interesting. Yeah, I you know, I didn't even think about the, that whole... If you're doing it daily, you don't have time to do due diligence on your guests. Like for me, like most of the I people, don't personally. You, you don't personally, but for, for me, like I try to only interview people that I have either a pre-existing relationship with, or like someone reached out to me the other day and said, Hey, my, my client is the author of this book. And I'm like, well, send me the book. And I, yeah. once I've read the book. I might consider interviewing this person. So I'm going to have, I will have put in, you know, eight or 10 hours to basically screen this one guest and who might not even make it if his book sucks. So, um, but if you're doing a daily show, clearly you don't have time to do all that. So I, I never even thought about it. You've got to, you've got to really hit the ground running in that first five minutes, uh, you know, before you hit the record button. That's, that's crazy. That's right. So even think about like guests that maybe they haven't been interviewed much and they, they don't have their mic set up properly, or maybe they don't have a mic or they use an external mic yep. or, I mean, uh, like headset or, you know, those things like, I don't have time to help you set those things up. Right. And so, so there's a sequence of emails that you receive that are preparing you for the show. Right. I need you to like, there's a two minute video and I would encourage you Matt to do this too for guests uh, if you haven't already, but like there's a two minute video I created years ago that it's like, I'm, I'm spitting out everything I possibly can as fast as I can that I need you to know before we start recording. Okay. Right. I need you to have your mic ready. I need you to know, I, I like, we got to start pretty quickly as well. Right. I need you right. to be on time. I need these things to be working beforehand. Right. It's so important because guess what? I've got another one right after you. <laughs> you right. Know? Right. And so we have to move, we have to move quickly. But what that did is that, that set that expectation for the guests as well. Sure. Right. And so they're ready. They're coming on, you know, and they're ready to start rolling quickly. Love it. Well, maybe I'll pitch your VA on being a guest and I could get in on that that sequence of emails and, and uh, steal it from you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you're ha I'm happy for you to sign up and just get the sequences. You'll, you'll see what, what we do. Awesome. Well, um, last thing I want to cover is what do you have coming up? What, what are what are some of the things that uh, that we can expect to see as investors in your stuff? What what uh, what's coming up around the bend? Yeah, I appreciate that question. Uh, and I, I would say we never know when the next deal is going to be. Right. Right. Uh, you know, we're always searching. And I get that question. Every investor calls like, well, when's the next deal? I'm like, well, you know, this is what we're working on right now. Or I may say, you know, we have three deals that we're underwriting right now that seem like better, more likely than others, you know, right. or maybe we have one under contract right now that you may see in a couple of weeks or, you know, I'll try to share that at the moment. Currently we have nothing under contract, you know? Okay. Uh, and so, you know, we are, like I said, we're building our team, we're growing our team, we're hiring another acquisitions guy so we can increase deal flow, even in other markets, you know, those things, uh, you know, we are also like, we want to have a, a vision for our investors that it's bigger than even just real estate. Uh, and so like we just offered a different fund uh, just recently that was, uh, you know, we're partnering with a, with another company. I won't go into all the details about what they do, but ultimately they, they engineer artificial intelligence uh, around uh, the how electricity is used inside of large companies. Okay. Uh, and, and it reduces their electrical footprint by 30 to 40%. And so it's, 
Uh, I mean, it's massive. They already have massive contracts, all these things. And so we vetted this company. We actually already had a relationship with the owner of this company for a long time. Uh, and so that's one of the big reasons we're comf more comfortable with it. But they also have had some, a lot of success very quickly, right? And so they're not a brand new startup, but man, the, the horizon for them is massive. And so things like that, when we see opportunities, we want to be able to bring that to our investors as well, right? And so I was pretty impressed. I, I didn't know what to expect from that, right? All of our investors have seen real estate deals from us, multifamily. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it's like this, you know, totally different thing. Obviously, very different risk profile, but also the potential uh, return is drastically higher. But also, you know, the risk is very different as well, right? right? Um, and so, so I can see us offering some different things like that, that Sam and I personally vet and, and that we're also investing in, right? It's going to be something, hey, we like this deal or this uh, opportunity, this business, whatever it may be. And we want to offer it to our investors also, you know, so there'll be things like that coming, but they'll also be more multifamily, of course, okay. right? As we our acquisitions team, there'll be other markets that we're going in, in as well. I can see us probably launch in another fund within the next, you know, 30 to 45 days, uh, roughly. Uh, it, it depends on deal flow. It's, it all depends on deal flow, whether we do a large fund or whether we do a single asset syndication, you know. So if we have two or three deals under contract, we'll do a large fund, right? If we have one deal under contract, especially like in a brand new market, we'll do a single asset, you know, syndication. Uh, and so there's different, and we could go into any of that you want, uh, but... Um, but you're going to see different things like that, different markets, more multifamily, of course, hopefully within the next 30 days, roughly, you know, I'm hoping investors will see another deal from us, uh, but we can't make any promises, of course. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. Okay. Well, how can people find you and start to develop that relationship with you? Lifebridgecapital.com. Uh, that's going to be the best place. There's a page there just for investors to sign up because uh, what's going to happen is you'll get to schedule a call with me personally or, you know, with another team member, either one. Even if you talk to our investor relations specialist, you can always ask to talk to me. I'd love to talk to you, you know, as well, you know, if an investor would, would like to do that. Awesome. Okay. Well, uh, I will put a link to that in the show notes. And Whitney, thank you again for being uh, awesome and for helping me uh, generate passive income. My pleasure, Matt. Honored to be on your show. Thanks. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com.